Hello, welcome to Penn State College Demicast. This is our, I don't know, fourth episode. You'll find out when you see them all on the app you're listening to this too. My name's O'Neill Kennedy. I'm the Secretary of College Democrats, and we have a very special interview planned for today with an exec board member and a general body member of College Democrats who do some really important work on campus. So they can, they're each going to introduce themselves now. Um, hi everyone, my name is Katie Rose Epstein. I am the Administrative Vice President of the Penn State College Democrats, and I also happen to be a NARAL Pro-Choice America Fellow, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And I am Kelsey Denny. I'm a sophomore, and I'm, as O'Neill said, a general body member of the Dems. Um, and I'm also a fellow for NARAL Pro-Choice America here at Penn State, and I'm super excited to talk about it all today. All right, so the first thing I wanted to start off with is just, like, whatever you guys, like, want to say about what you've done with College Democrats, like, KR, what your position entails, and, like, Kelsey, if you've learned anything, please say yes. I have. I hope that this hasn't been a complete waste of your time. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, um, and if anyone refers to me as KR, that is Katie Rose. I am the same person, I promise. I'm not, like, five different people. Um, But, yeah, so last year I was the treasurer of the College Democrats, kind of got Thon back involved uh, with the club. And for those of you that are not affiliated with Penn State, Thon is the largest dance marathon run by students in the world. It's the largest philanthropy period. Largest Largest student run, yeah. Wow, I'm really bad at explaining that. That's why I'm not talking about Thon today. Um, (laughs) But that's kind of what I did as treasurer. And um, as AVP, uh, we took a trip to Washington, D.C., and that was actually how Kelsey and I first uh, learned about NARAL. So very full circle, very exciting. Um, and obviously, College Dems is essentially my life. So, <laughs> Kelsey, you want to go? <laughs> yeah. So uh, as O'Neill kind of said, I joined the Dems this year because I was pissed off about everything that was happening in the political climate. Um But the Dems has really been my foundation this year. I mean, friend-wise, support-wise, networking-wise, they are how I found NARAL. They've how I found they are how I, I've found my footing, I guess, in politics. I'm excited to keep working with them and hopefully rise into a higher position <laughs> as we as we go along. But um yeah, as Katie Rose said, I went on the DC trip in October and that absolutely changed my life. That's how we met NARAL. Uh, the person we met with is actually our boss now, so it's it is funny how that worked out. But yeah, I love the Democrats. I'm here to stay. Don't get rid of me. This is not an ad for college Democrats, I swear. (laughs) Give us money. Join us. (laughs) Please donate. We're so poor. Um, (laughs) um, So next thing. So kind of tell our listeners what NARAL is, what that stands Mm -hmm. for, what the mission is, and what you guys do as fellows. Yeah. So NARAL stands for the National Abortion Rights Action League. Um, essentially, they are an advocacy group for pro-choice measures, pro-choice legislation, I mean, anything under that umbrella. Their mission, literally, is to develop and sustain a constituency that uses the political process to guarantee every woman the right to make personal decisions regarding the full range of reproductive choices. Um, Katie Rose, I guess, can elaborate on the four yeah. main things. So there's four tenets of NARAL. The first one is abortion access. The second is birth control. The third is fighting pregnancy discrimination in the workplace. And the last one is paid family leave. Um, so basically all of their like policy that they um, advocate for to local and federal governments uh, kind of revolves around those four issues. And My absolute favorite thing about NARAL is the political department and the way in which they endorse candidates. So they don't automatically endorse any candidate that's pro-choice. They only endorse candidates that are pro-choice champions. So that kind of means if someone is running for Congress in Pennsylvania and they were in the state legislature beforehand, they had to have either sponsored or co-sponsored like a piece of pro-choice legislation that is like really really helpful to a large amount of people um and then maybe they'll be considered a pro-choice champion like um one of the most obvious mm-hmm. pro-choice champions that Neron nurses is uh Kirsten I like don't know how to say it um But Gillibrand is like one of the main pro-choice champions that Neron loves to have endorsed um and you can, like, look up her policies, but she's literally always voted for abortion access, um, mm-hmm. which is really great. Um, 
But yeah, so that's like kind of like the main stuff with NARAL. Um, and what's also interesting is NARAL is a national organization, but there are a bunch of uh, affiliate chapters within mm-hmm. the states. Pennsylvania does not have an affiliate chapter, but um, Nevada has one, California has one, Wisconsin has one. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of them all across the country, but... Not here in PA, which is why we're here. Yeah, honestly. Laying the groundwork. That's why we're here, though. Exactly. So one thing I just noticed that I think is important to note is something Katie Rose said about the goals of NARAL. So you hear abortion access and birth control, Mm -hmm. but NARAL, you know, abortion might be part of, you know, it's literally one of the words that NARAL stands for. Um, But it's not like... It is in some ways the end-all be-all, but it's not the only mm-hmm. thing. That's not the only women's issue that NARAL cares about. If you mm-hmm. do decide to continue with the pregnancy, they don't want you to be fired because you have to. Yeah. You have a weight limit of yeah. what you can carry at work or because mm-hmm. you have to take a rest every hour. Like So something like that. And then also paid family leave. I think yeah. everybody can imagine, you know, the United States is one of two developed, it's like us and Papua New Guinea, New Guinea that doesn't have yeah. a paid family leave it policy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely and it's insane. crazy. And if you look at what other countries do, it's very generous. Some would say too generous, but mm-hmm. even just having a couple of weeks would be a blessing to so many parents. So I think it's important to note because there's a spectrum of opinions on abortion in the Democratic Party and in America mm-hmm. um, that NARAL, even if you're not very gung-ho about mm-hmm. um, being pro-choice, that there are other women's issues that they yeah, advocate exactly. for. And that actually brings up a really good point, not to go to, like, too off track, mm-hmm. but I think the reasons that NARAL does focus on things like paid family leave and all of workplace discrimination is because NARAL firmly believes and stands for the fact that you cannot talk about gender equality without talking about women's reproductive rights. Mm -hmm. We believe and advocate daily that um, in order to actually reach gender equality someday, it is absolutely essential that we secure a woman's right to get birth control so that Mm -hmm. she can go to work every day. She can go get the education that she wants each day. Mm -hmm. I mean, securing these rights for women has an un- let me think of a word. Or it's not inversely related to success of women. Mm-hmm. I mean, those two things are pretty much incompatible now. Every time you talk about one, you really have to talk about the other. And that's something that's really mm-hmm. specific to NARAL, which mm-hmm. is at least why Katie Rose and I can speak for the both of us. We're drawn to it yeah. because they believe in, in, in gender equality and that, mm-hmm. you know, reproductive rights and, is important to get and there. we know abortion. There are, there are some... Um, pro-choice measures that do enjoy a, a major a support from a that do enjoy support from a majority of the American public mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we know abortion is a very contentious issue but if you are pro-life wouldn't you want more women to access birth control because mm-hmm. that will reduce the number of abortions I think even the most pro-choice person like the three of us in this room are very pro-choice but mm-hmm. we would I think Hil- I don't know if Hillary Clinton came up with this but I know this was one of her mantras <laughs> is abortion being safe legal and rare yeah. I don't want it to be somebody's primary form of birth control mm-hmm. because it's very complicated and for some people it can be a very emotionally trying process oh, yeah, for sure. um, and it's more expensive than just getting birth control yeah, yeah. Um, so and, um, yeah like kind of going along with that um, NARAL really does want women to be able to make the decision to have an abortion whenever at any point mm-hmm. in the pregnancy um, because they genuinely or we genuinely believe that it's a woman's right to choose no matter what um, mm-hmm. and NARAL is also very good about supporting LGBT rights um, mm-hmm. a lot of their messaging is very inclusive mm-hmm. uh, which they've honestly been working on because NARAL did kind of start off um, similar to Planned Parenthood as like an older white women's organization Mm -hmm. Um, and in the past like five years or so they've been really working on diversity Mm -hmm. um, making sure that it isn't just known as that and kind of moving forward with like the current generation so Mm -hmm. it's something I really appreciate Mm -hmm. and I'm excited to see how it turns out in the future. Mm -hmm. So you've both already touched on this so how do women's reproductive rights in particular but also for men you know they should have Mm -hmm. a measure of choice we need to put a little more effort into getting a safe male birth control on the market Um, but how does your reproductive life affect the other aspects of your life if you're a woman and I don't mean just having a baby we can all talk about how Mm -hmm. having a baby Mm -hmm. changes your life even if you haven't had one Um, but like how does having access to birth control or knowing all about Mm -hmm. the way your anatomy works because a lot of women don't how Mm -hmm. does that impact the whole rest of your life absolutely well I think personally, when I was seeking birth control, it was for security reasons. I mean, my mom and I sat down before coming to college and we were like, 
it is strictly because it's safe to mm-hmm. be on birth control, especially mm-hmm. in an atmosphere at Penn State where rape culture is very prevalent. Yeah. Um, I knew that I wanted to be on birth control for that reason. But also, I mean, speaking from myself and I'm, a lot of women here have very, very difficult flows in a sense that it does in like interrupt with your studying, with your schoolwork. Yeah. Periods. It, we're talking about We're periods. talking about blood. You're going to listen to it. It is you got to get used to it. Get used to it. I like to call it the communist march. Ooh, I'm into it. That might be my new thing. But yeah, anyway. no, seriously. I mean, these periods, people underestimate Even tough. women underestimate them. They're yeah. hard. They take you out of school. They take you out of work. And you're very tired. It's just horrible. Yeah, it's, it's emotional. Fun. Birth control is essential to women rising to the top. Mm-hmm. And that's, if not the most important issue, at least for me, is just that if women want to keep rising up, whether it's, I mean, in the business sector and STEM and anything, yeah. mm-hmm. they need birth control. It's mm-hmm. just a safe. And birth control is like one of the simplest ways women can women can use to just control their own bodies. Like, mm-hmm. and having control over your own body is so important. I mean, men have control of their bodies. Autonomy. You know, they can literally do whatever they want. And so. they also just biologically, their hormonal cycle, if they even have one, isn't like that of a woman's, where mm-hmm. you can really time things down to the day, and you will know more or less depending on the woman what she's feeling like mm-hmm. that day. For men, it's just a lot more steady, and we're not mm-hmm. trying to feed into the stereotype of women being crazy because it's yeah. not that. No, but it's just you know you don't want to be subject to whatever day of the month it is mm-hmm. do you know like you just yeah. want a little more stability yeah. yeah and kind of going along with that um NARAL also has definitely been pushing recently to get free menstrual products um like throughout mm-hmm. the country at mm-hmm. many different locations um and obviously this is a very hard um like initiative to undertake I mean we don't have it yet I know that there's like different charity uh, groups that try to provide free menstrual products, but it's still really hard to just kind of provide them for free for everyone. Um, And so that's something that Kelsey and I have kind of been looking at at Penn State, trying to see if we can do that, as well as, um, this is kind of going off topic now, but um, like free SDI testing is a Mm -hmm. huge thing that NARAL is really trying to kind of promote right so now. So what's the situation that. with that at Penn State if we're if it's already Ooh, been brought up? Well, here we go. Because am I right in saying that if you go to University Health Services, mm-hmm. UHS, you will you can you don't have to pay to be tested for HIV, mm-hmm. but if you're getting tested for say gonorrhea, mm-hmm. chlamydia, you have to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. Well HIV is the only free test you can yeah. have. And they also long- I believe do free pregnancy tests. But they do. They don't do the blood test. They do the no, urine they test. They do the urine test for free. Um, but this is a really, really interesting question, and I'm glad you brought it up because it does elucidate another project that Katie and Rose and I have been trying to work on, which is these, these crisis pregnancy centers, which mm-hmm. we'll get into later. Oh but, yes, um, that'll yeah. be. Essentially, UHS, one of the biggest problems that people keep overlooking, whether it's administ- administrative people or, I mean, activists, is the fact that girls don't want to go to UHS to get these tests because a lot of them are still on their parents' insurance Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're scared that that will show up, which is a very real worry. I wouldn't want to do that. And so Mm -hmm. that alone, that sole reason, is what brings people to these crisis pregnancy centers because we have one right over there, I mean, like Mm -hmm. a half a mile away from campus that offers the exact same exams, pregnancy tests, I think the full range of STD exams. And it's all free. Yeah, so that's a permeating problem that we have here on campus. Um, yeah, UHS, it, it's really a tricky situation yeah. with the healthcare insurance just being on your parents. It really I know can be someone a struggle that's happened here. Where they got testing, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was at UHS or otherwise, mm-hmm. and then their parents called them and were like, what? Exactly. Yeah. What is real this? Problem. Are you okay? I mean, it is I don't think they were mad, but it's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get the funding for having it is you know free SDI tests for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. even though they aren't very expensive for one person, imagine a school with an undergraduate population of 46,000 students. Like, that's, yes. It's going to be you know, That does add up. So mm-hmm. it, it is hard to kind of figure out how to get it so that it is free for everyone, but... It's something that needs to happen, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Katie Rose and I actually met with a student here who's a senior who works for UHS in mm-hmm. their, I don't know what the like, It's like an called. internship program. Yeah. So she's a senior doing an internship there. And we've been trying to kind of set up like a meeting with someone in the administrative. Yeah. To, to see how that can happen. Because, I mean, just the shame of having your parents mm-hmm. found out yeah. is enough to 
direct women to a fake health yeah. center. Which or is to scary. just, God forbid, not get it done at all. Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, what worse. is helpful, though, is UHS does offer birth control. Um, I, yes. I believe you can pay for it out of pocket if you do need to pay for it. But I believe the pill has no copay. When I got my pill, I don't think I had a copay. There's no copay. Okay, there shouldn't. Yeah, no, yeah. It's very nice because, <laughs> And that's because of President Obama's uh, birth Obama. control mandate. <laughs> But yeah, so but if you're getting an IUD or anything else, then I believe it does cost yeah. money if you're not using insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I just want to ask a question as to like why reproductive rights are important because you know, you brought up birth control. So when I got on birth control, I was in my second semester here mm-hmm. and I got it because I got an ovarian cyst. And oh, it wasn't yeah, as bad as it is for other people. I've heard other people get very sick and they still. Rough, but it still hurt. It wasn't very fun. Yeah. <laughs> my pants were uncomfortable. <laughs> And that's just, I, they gave me an ultrasound at the hospital and I saw my uterus. It was all very nice. And the, she said I had a very, there's a very clear, beautiful Good picture of my you. uterus. And I was I like, thank you. That's kind of exciting. I want one. It's kind of nice. It's very small. Yeah, it. It's really only about this big. It's fascinating. Wow. Um, nobody can see how big, I just <laughs> showed up my fingers, but it's not very big. And it snaps back. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> but I asked the nurse, I was like, how can I prevent this? And she had actually had a similar experience and she said, that birth control really helped, and mm-hmm. then the doctor said the same. So I went and got it, and it was a very quick discussion. They were so non-judgmental at UHS, mm-hmm. and it was really great. No copay, and it changed my life because yeah. I just I don't get ovarian cysts as long as, I, as long as I'm taking mm-hmm. it consistently. So that's just a little thing I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about. And then there's everything else that comes mm-hmm. with it. It makes your cycle more regular. Mine yeah. used to yeah. be 29 days, 60 same. days. You never know when it's it going to happen. Yeah. It's going to surprise yeah. you and ruin your pants. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so no, it's, it's nice. so scary. Like literally not knowing when your period's gonna happen yeah. like it's a very I, I, terrifying like, thing i'm sorry but like it, men don't understand this and it's like it drives me insane like imagine you're just like walking around one day and all of a sudden you're bleeding like it's, it's like fun. and it's, we it's, don't have free like you'd have to pay what 20 50 cents yeah and to, usually those like you know so men, if you haven't been in the women's restroom they have these little old super old like <laughs> dispensary dispenser type things that have tampons and pads in them those tampons are probably Cardboard 10, years 10 years old yeah at least knows. and it's like you don't want to put that in you you don't want to get toxic um, shock syndrome no and it's just not like, saying they will give it to you i'm just saying i have yeah. irrational fears and that's one of them same, yeah. same. but um no so it's just like maybe provide free tampons and pads so that when mm-hmm. you're walking around one day because you're not on birth control and your period is like super irregular you don't have yeah. to worry as much mm-hmm. and another thing bringing up i mean i guess the ovarian cyst speaks a lot to this but also there is a huge mental component to birth control, or like a mental health component, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, like, for example, one of my best friends had extreme depression and bipolar 1 disorder, yeah. which is still extremely prevalent in her life, uh, obviously. But once she got on birth control, she said things changed dramatically. I mean, the emotional effect of birth control. Yes, your moods even out. She was going to class more. She was doing things, joining mm-hmm. clubs, and it's like... There's just a direct correlation between mm-hmm. your mental capacity to handle day-by-day occurrences mm-hmm. and birth control. Yeah. And it also lowers anxiety with, regarding periods because a lot of women are really scared that they don't know when they're going to get their period. And then when they, they do, do, and then they do, and, you know, sex ed sucks in this country. You could have endometriosis and not know. Exactly. And that, that's three A's of classes you, know, you mentioned. Yeah, and if it's, like, exactly. if it's too heavy and you're not prepared, like, and so having, like, birth control just mm-hmm. helps so much with mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. lowering that. Yeah. Um, so and basically why we're having you on here is how are reproductive rights currently at risk in the country or in Pennsylvania, just like whatever level you can really think about. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh, I am going to start this off. Um, so this is a very current topic. In fact, there's a Supreme Court case at the United States Supreme Court right now called uh, National Institute of Family Life Advocates versus Becerra. It came out of a California court, and um, I'm just going to kind of explain it for everyone. So the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates is an anti-choice nonprofit, and two of its pregnancy centers, which are fake women's health centers, are challenging California's Reproductive Freedom Accountability Comprehensive Care and Transparency Act, which is called the FACT Act, which is what I'll be referring to it as from now on. Um, so the 
like NIFLA, its vision is to achieve an abortion-free America. That's a direct quote. Which I too would love, but there we're going about it different ways. They are yeah, very different ways. Yeah. So the FACT Act, which is what they are challenging in California, is a, is a law that helps provide important, accurate, honest information to pregnant women, and it makes sure anyone who claims they provide medical advice and or medical care is held to a standard of honesty and professionalism. And make sure women receive accurate information about all of their options and programs related to pregnancy and family planning. Um, and the act helps women um, uh, and their families by providing them information about like prenatal care, birth control, and abortion, all offered by the state of California. So essentially, this has gone all the way up to the Supreme Court because it is a free speech case, which... As someone that's been studying abortion Supreme Court cases, I'm very interested in it because most of the time Supreme Court cases related to abortion deal with the right to privacy. Yes. However, this one this deals with the First Amendment because mm-hmm. it's a free speech case because in fake women's health centers or pregnancy centers that are kind of governed by women that are very religious, and they kind of base all their beliefs in religion, which is not necessarily a bad thing. They're pro-life, basically. And yeah. They, and yeah. But the issue is, component. the issue mm-hmm. is at these places, they are saying that they are doctors, even if they might not be doctors, and mm-hmm. they're performing ultrasound. They, they've got the lab coat on, yeah. playing the part, but mm-hmm. they're not Maybe, a doctor. Exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. so if I were to go into one of these places before I learned all about this, I'd be like, okay, they're doctors, like, they're going to provide me all of the correct information. But they don't. Mm -hmm. And now at abortion clinics, they have to provide every single side effect of abortion, Mm -hmm. even the ones that are like 0.001% chance of Because it's your medical responsibility. Mm -hmm. You have to tell people what they they might get into. Because they are doctors. Because they are doctors. I mean, it's the exact same thing. Would you want someone operating on your heart if they were not a heart doctor? They're going to tell you what might happen. Exactly. at the Supreme Court, if this Supreme Court for some reason decides that they're going to rule in favor of NIFLA, which is, like, the fake women's health centers, that means that anti-abortion people and anti-abortion people who work at these fake women's health centers have more rights to free speech than pro-choice people, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. It's a really... I mean, it's the first abortion case in Trump's America, which has the potential to be as big as Roe v. Wade right now. This is mm-hmm. exactly this is, yeah, what we're this thinking. This is a monumental mm-hmm. case. It I, is. Oh, it's, it's striking. It will change a lot of things. But to add on to the national picture of what mm-hmm. we're looking at right now, I mean, uh, our vice president of the United States literally said that he believes legal abortion will end in our time. Yeah. Which is a pretty terrifying thought. I mean, that straightforward, blatantly puts low-income women, black women, Latina women, even a lot of white, I mean, just people who... All types of women. All types of women. They are going to be seriously barred from uh, accessing legal abortion. And that makes it, therefore, more unsafe. Exactly. When when it's not regulated. Abortions don't stop. Just because, yeah, just because legal abortion just goes away, or if all of a sudden Mm -hmm. abortion is illegal tomorrow, that does not mean abortions are going to stop, and we're going to go back to co-hanger abortions, and nobody wants that. Republicans should not want that. I don't care how pro-life they are. That is not pro-life, because women will die. Women will die. And I remember, oh, it was a long time ago, a year ago, maybe two, John Oliver did a segment about how, about the very restrictive... Um, laws that were in place in some states um, for abortion clinics. So how wide the hallways had to be, how big the closets mm-hmm. had to be, things like that. that That's, those are called trap laws. Yeah, trap laws. <laughs> so that basically saying if you don't have all of this money to renovate, exactly. you have to close. So, for example, in Texas, I believe there were only one or two cent abortion clinics left in the whole state, mm-hmm. a huge state. Yeah. This is in Rhode Island we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And a woman working at a clinic that was subject to such trap laws in a state with mm-hmm. really restrictive um, laws said that she fielded a call from a woman who was asking about how to get an abortion and everything. And she was like, okay, I'm going to tell you what I have in my kitchen cabinet and you're going to tell me how I can do this. Because she, it would be too hard for her. It, it's not only those kind of laws. It's laws where you have to go and they have an ultrasound and wait two days. Mm-hmm. If you're a low-income woman, you can't take three days off of work. No, you yeah. can't go to a hotel 500 miles away. Exactly. Even f- for women in middle class, that would be very, yeah. very difficult. So anyone. Um, kind of like an example. So one of my friends here at Penn State had actually gotten abortion her freshman year and she went to Harrisburg to get it yes. because Harrisburg is the closest place to state college that offers abortions mm-hmm. um, and Pennsylvania has a waiting period it also has mandatory um, counseling mm-hmm. which can- counseling essentially means you have to watch a video 
Um, that's obviously very biased that no one should have to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was over 18 at the time, but there's also parental consent notification laws in Pennsylvania, oh, okay. which means if you are under the age of 18, have you have to, to notify your parents, mm-hmm. which could lead to multiple mm-hmm. other issues yeah. on top of the fact that abortion is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter if you have insurance or not. Yes. It's just, it's an expensive procedure. So, even in when you're getting the earlier abortion, which mm-hmm. can be done mm-hmm. with a pill. Yeah. yeah. Even, even that the, can be the pill expensive. is expensive. Um, the surgical procedure is obviously more expensive. And more invasive, takes more recovery time. Exactly. And then yeah. the pill also, like, you know, it, let's not... No, really, it takes a lot of recovery no, yeah, time. It takes a lot well. of recovery time. Let's yeah. not... Yeah. Um, you still have a couple days in which yeah. you can't really do a whole lot. Um, yeah. So it's just like, Pennsylvania does have an okay amount of clinics, I'd say. But the fact that this county has more than 100,000 people mm-hmm. the and there's no clinic is a mm-hmm. serious, serious issue. It's one of the abortion clinics in Pennsylvania. I believe there's a little over 30. Yeah, that's what it looks like I'm seeing. Oh, the pregnancy clinic here, Harrisburg, York. A few in and around Philly, a few near yeah. Allentown. There's mm-hmm. a lot more kind of um, near Philly and near, like, mm-hmm. Delaware. And, yeah. But yeah. we have a serious national problem kind of lurking over the head of the ones that we do have. Because, mm-hmm. so, Title Ten parameters, essentially. Richard Nixon. Oh, <laughs> my God. Well, the new Title Ten parameters that Trump has imposed or at least spoken that this is what's going to happen are so clearly pro-life and conservative that it is Mm -hmm. terrifying Mm -hmm. so those grants come out i think next or you can start applying for them at least by the end of the summer Mm -hmm. and that's how planned parenthood gets a lot of their funding if not all of i mean that's how they which to be clear they don't use for abortion they use them for other services thank you thank you there's this thing called the hyde amendment yeah there anyway, was this one time freshman thing. year I debated Planned Parenthood and I screamed and I screamed a lot because Planned Parenthood does not use their money for abortions. And no, I will, they don't. I will say that till the day I die. Put it on my grave, please. Yeah. Put it on my grave. <laughs> a grave yeah. and a tombstone. But these parameters that Trump has put forth are seriously detrimental to a woman. I mean, especially low-income women trying to access a um Birth control, tests, even mammograms, I think that's the right word for yes. the, yeah, the boob big yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll keep it in. But, We're I mean, all too young to have we'll one. These funds will go straight into the hands of these fake women's health centers because they identify as conservative, and that's how Trump is mm-hmm. gaining his And actually, a lot of these fake women's health centers already do get state funding. Pennsylvania yes. it gives state funding to these places. And to yeah. just kind of sum up again, like, what the issue is, it's partially an issue of just, like, okay – a place like Planned Parenthood has to legally give all of the available information about the possible risks of all abortion of and other Every reasons, single which one. is good. We're not arguing that they shouldn't because nope. they nope. absolutely should have to do that. But that women's health centers, mm-hmm. that might do a lot of great things. They might do other Some. good things. They are not required to tell you Mm-hmm. about your other options. Exactly. But they are trying to give you medical care, but they're not telling you about the full yes. range of medical options. So that's what bothers me about mm-hmm. it is that, okay, if you even, whether or not you're a doctor or if you're just, just yeah. nurse, quote, unquote, nurses do a lot of work, God bless. Yeah. Um, and you are trying to give somebody medical care and tell them options. And maybe a woman comes in and she's undecided about what to do, or she just wants more information. Mm-hmm. You should have to tell her the full spectrum yeah, of exactly. information, whether or Which, not you agree with it. Quite honestly, the sex education in this country is so bad that women really might not know that abortion exists or that it's, it's very true that, that women don't know that they can access yes. around them. So if they go to a fake women's health center and all they say is, "Oh, we can help you with like." Baby clothes or a dog. They provide diapers as which, an incentive. Which is wonderful. Very but nice of them. But great. that's not the full but exactly. If women don't know that they could have had an abortion, like mm-hmm. that's a serious It's a serious issue. problem. And mm-hmm. a good example of that is a story because the oral arguments for the Supreme Court case that Katie Rose was talking about started on Tuesday. And I was down there for them. And a speaker got up and told her story about how she was tricked by one of these health centers. They told her... Deceived is a good word. Deceived. Um, they told her that she was not pregnant when she found out two months later that she was. Oh they wanted her God. to go through with it past the window the in which you could get an abortion. Oh, wow, that's dark. See, that is what we're dealing with here. These women. What if she had had a serious health issue that's that makes exactly pregnancy the very point. Risky. It's very terrifying. And something, so Mississippi actually, oh. their state legislature and their governor just signed into law this bill that. 
outlaws abortion after 15, 15 weeks. And which is the wait, earliest. Get this. Get this. No exceptions for rape or incest. Terrible. Those women are in serious, serious danger. What about any exceptions for if the baby the, has the an issue? Only the exception is life of the mother. And it's, now, it is correct that rape and incest are not a large portion of abortions. No. However, however, it happens. Weeks, if it happens, fifteen once. weeks is not a lot of time. No, no, it's not. Especially if literally less than why, you need like, to come up with the money. Yeah, this is why women need honest, time sensitive, and yeah. non judgmental like, information. And, and a lot of women don't know they're pregnant for the first month, even into the second month. Oh my god! Many yeah. women do not find out until so, six weeks in. So exactly. imagine you have two months to figure out. The money to get an abortion. When, to figure out if you're where, going to get an abortion. It's the 48 hour waiting period. I mean, there's like, just to go so much you. against yeah. it. Like, like, yes. Two months is not a long period of time, especially if you're working, if you're going to school, mm-hmm. if you have other kids. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, Mississippi. It's horrible. Ooh. But the, the good news with Mississippi <laughs> is a court actually uh, struck it down mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, so I we'll, just read that. We'll see what happens with that. But Mississippi. Um, uh, that is not good. I hope other states do not file follow that because no. it's going to be a serious issue in the future. And this really has already touched on something that I wanted to bring up of, okay, all right, you're pro-life. You're pro-life. Great. Wonderful. You're pro-life. <laughs> all right. Let's say in the scenario that we all are. Okay. How do you, you don't want abortions to happen. Well, then you got to give people birth control. We've already identified yes. that because you want everybody, you want every child to come into this world and be loved and valued and you mm-hmm. want everybody to be happy that that baby's there. Great. And then after the baby's born, what are you going to do? Are you are you gonna take care of the mother's health care expenses? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna take care problem. of the baby's health care expenses yeah. if like there's something? Yeah. Well, first of all, the baby will have health care expenses because mm-hmm. they just came into the world. And then what yeah. if there's something else this, that par- yeah. pops up? So yeah. I mean, Nordic countries have this down really well. They they have a down. Um, they have a very low number of unintended pregnancies. First of all, yes. when America has a ridiculously has high number of also unintended pregnancies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in Nordic countries, they also offer this thing called a baby box. The government, I love oh baby my gosh, boxes. I it's cried finished. when I learned about this. No one was It's guys. adorable. Um, so what happens is, as soon as you have a baby, they give you this box that, first of all, turns into a crib. Yeah, so that's don't need it. They don't need a first crib. First of all, it turns into a crib. So you got oh my god, they don't so need it. The government gave you a free crib just now. It also gives you a blanket, some diapers, some clothes, some clothes, some of the other necessities, some food. Some like, could you it's imagine it's walking out of the hospital? The well, not walking in a wheelchair out of the hospital because no, you have to go in a wheelchair for medical liability reasons. Yeah, <laughs> and then you know, holding your little baby, and all of a sudden the government drops a little box at your door that has everything you could possibly need. The baby can sleep on the floor. Oh, yes. The baby doesn't need a fancy crib. This it was the baby. Not going to really the most brilliant thing I had ever seen in my entire I'm, life. And I'm like, this. why is America not doing that? I think they're know. starting mm-hmm. to do that in some parts of the UK too. I want to say that I think it's Scotland. like mm-hmm. we're always like even so Trump America first. Blah, blah, blah. Well, we are not first, Mr. President. Like, we're, we're not, not first. We're not even close. So we got to get it together. Okay, so you got the baby and say you and the baby are healthy and it's fine. All right. If you delivered, I'm going to say it, vaginally, you, you, it's probably uh-huh. a recovery time of how long? About six weeks? Because things probably happen longer. down there. It's, it's a hard. situation. There could be <laughs> minimum. There could be minimum. There could be minimum. Or if you got a C-section, oh, much it, longer. it's a little it's longer, longer because they literally cut you open. What, what if there's an anything. infection? What if there's an infection? What a lot if, of things can go what, wrong. And then, yeah. you know, um, we don't talk about it a lot in this country, but postpartum depression and anxiety that and psychosis. Is are more common than people yes. realize. Such yes. a permeating problem. And I no really, one thinks about postpartum. Like, yeah. I really appreciate all the celebrities that are coming Have out been. and talking about yes. it. Mm-hmm. That is very helpful. So that complicates matters. And then how yeah. much money, whether or not the baby was intended. It, babies are very well, expensive. Let's talk, oh, sorry. Sorry? No, sorry. Babies <laughs> are very expensive, so then you have to go back to work at some point. Yeah. yeah. So in here, we only have, what, you get six weeks unpaid leave, but then all those complications we just mm-hmm. mentioned can make it so much harder in addition to just, mm-hmm. you don't want to leave your baby at mm-hmm. home or even with a yeah. close family member. Yeah. You want the baby and, and your brain. Another care. thing. Daycare sometimes costs more than Daycare is so expensive. It's insane. And if you're having trouble pumping or if you're just doing mm-hmm. formula, and it's, just, it's all there's so many complicating factors. Another factor that NARAL has highlighted that has to do with this is the fact that if a woman is either deceived or doesn't know about her option of abortion and goes through with this unintended pregnancy, there's going to be that lurking feeling that 
I didn't want this child mm-hmm. for their entire life. Yeah. yeah. And that will put a huge damage on the mother, daughter, mother, son mm-hmm. relationship and mm-hmm. no one talks about yeah. that. And they might still love that baby and oh, yeah, the I'm moment sure. the baby is born but there's probably always going to be that. always going to be something where eat where I didn't plan this. Mm-hmm. I could have given this child a better mm-hmm. life in the future had exactly. I planned this. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's a lot of mental health that goes happened. into it. Let's yeah. remember that the foster care system in this country Sucks. is overloaded. Yeah, so don't even talk about a- adoption. adoption. My well, God. Adoption is good. and But the problem is... You know it. A lot of the time... A lot of the time, like, at that point, women don't give their newborn babies up for adoption. They keep them for a few years, and then, you know, once they're, like, reaching elementary school age, women kind of decide, you know what, I'm not able to care for this baby anymore. And then child... Family services takes the child mm-hmm. right and up. And there's trauma just, there. There's, there's a lot of emotions <sighs> there. Then you have to place them with the family. They might go from foster parent to foster parent. Yeah. And those situations might not be stable yeah. and happy. Mm-hmm. Talk and about a, lot of a people, vicious circle. Yeah. A lot of people forget adoption is a good option. But people forget that there's nine months in which this woman still has to go through with mm-hmm. All the complications that pregnancy can pose. And, I mean, she's probably going to drop out of school at some point, drop out of the work. I mean, you have to take time off when you're pregnant. It's obviously a really insane thing that's happening inside of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, even the adoption option is extremely detrimental to the body and, the I mean, Mm -hmm. your mental health. Mm -hmm. It's a really terrifying thing to think. I mean, I'm 19 years old, and if I were to get pregnant and adoption was the option I chose – I mean, I would leave school. I would not want yeah. to walk around here pregnant. And that's a shame issue. That mm-hmm. is a whole other story. But <laughs> Yeah. And then there's, well, like, there's, there's also a lot of shame with abortion. And there's shame with just, everything. Because yeah. if you're a woman, do you're you ashamed. Yeah. And then you're ashamed even if you try to pr- pro-life or some of them will even shame you for getting on birth control. For yeah. yeah, they will. Oh, yeah. Which I'm ashamed sense. for getting on birth control. It's just... Like, what am I supposed to do then? What do you want me to do? I know what you want me to do, but I'm not going to do that. Because it's unfair, and I know the men don't do that. Yeah, thank you. Who are the men doing it with? Seriously. That's beautiful. You know, it's all the men's fault. It's all toxic masculinity. She said it. (laughs) She said it. She said it. I didn't say it. I'll say it. (laughs) Loud and proud. Um, So what can the average person do just in their local community to better Mm -hmm. educate themselves and other people on, like, reproductive rights and how they're (laughs) at risk? Like, I know one thing I'm going to do when I'm a grown, grown adult with a job and a mortgage and a husband and children (laughs) is, well, for my children's school is inquiring before they get to that level, what type of sex ed do you have? Mm -hmm. And then if it sucks, lobbying the crap. Oh, yeah. Out of the school board because we can't yes. handle that anymore. I did. A, I did a paper. <laughs> I know I was a, so- a freshman in high school or freshman in college, but it was about how bad, how, like charting the history of sex ed in this country mm-hmm. and the con- or states with poor sexual education where abstinence is put forth as the only viable option. They mm-hmm. experience fourteen pregnancy, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's not good for anybody. Katie Rose already said vicious cycle, and that uh, is teen pregnancy cycle. is a vicious cycle. Yeah. Um. So my advice to anyone that kind of wants to learn more about reproductive rights especially in their neighborhood is go to endthelies.com e-e-n-d-t-h-e-l-i-e-s.com that there's a ton of different information and i highly recommend the first thing you do is take the quiz to if you can spot a fake women's health center from a real clinic i will say that i've been studying abortion for about as long as i can remember and I got a 4 out of 12 on this quiz. Fake women's yeah, health centers are very, very good mm-hmm. at trying to disguise themselves as a real clinic. And it's mm-hmm. a serious problem in this country. So take that quiz and then go back to the website. And you can actually find if there is a fake women's health center in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, and from there, you can go to the fake women's health center and protest. Bring a couple of your friends, bring some signs one day, because you know they're doing that to the Planned Parenthood. And even if two wrongs don't make a right, mm, in this case, two wrongs do make a right. <laughs> <laughs> so go and protest. Like, seriously. This, this yeah. I mean, this could change things, you know? And on that note, oh, sorry to interrupt. And on that note, another thing that I know a lot of people can do, this is something available at a lot of clinics. I know Planned Parenthood is very mm-hmm. fond of this. Um, is volunteers who will walk women from the parking lot yes. yeah. into the clinic That's because huge. oftentimes they're surrounded by protesters who might yeah. be 
making some violent threats or really yeah. scaring mm-hmm. the absolute crap out of you. So they just, they have a colorful vest on and they walk you in and help you yeah. settle in and make you feel safe. And so that'd be one thing to do. Yeah. Like going into 2018, you know, this is going to be one of those huge election years. Even though it's a midterm, mm-hmm. like this is going to change the country. I firmly believe that with how things are going right now. So, and you don't even have to look at Congress or Senate. Look at your state legislature. There's going to be a lot of candidates running. And look at the ones that are pro-choice champions. NARAL yeah. will be endorsing multiple people for state senate, state house, and all the different states throughout the country. There are other organizations that do similar yeah. endorsement efforts. Planned Parenthood, um, Emily's List. Yeah. Um, so just kind of look at that. And if there's, if you're, if the person running in your state senate district is a pro-choice champion, I highly recommend you go out and knock doors for them because chances are the person that's running against them is about as pro-life as you can get. And mm-hmm. it's that's really yeah. just your choice on who you want to represent you. We've seen so many times in these uh, special elections over the past year or so, this stuff yeah. comes down to a vote or mm-hmm. a few votes. Like, I am so sick of people saying that your vote doesn't matter because, oh my gosh, it does. Like, mm-hmm. Connor Lamb is... Quite possibly the best example we have in recent history. Mm-hmm. Your vote matters. And, I mean, to go off of that, the tide really is turning. When you look at, there was an election that happened just this past Tuesday in <laughs> Illinois in which this amazing pro-choice champion, this woman, Marie Newman, gave Dan Lipinski, an incumbent, the run of his life. He will never be able to just have an easy win Mm -hmm. ever again. Mm -hmm. And even though she didn't win, that speaks to the fact that the tide really is changing. Yes. Which is what the advice I would give is to, first of all, know your rights. Know your rights to your ability to get the full range of reproductive freedom. Mm -hmm. You should not be being lied to about abortion, about any kind of access, which is... If I mean, it is the central fight that Katie Rose and I have been taking mm-hmm. on because it's insane. Mm-hmm. Also, know your representatives. I mean, you can look that up with one click of a button on your on your laptop, in the library, anywhere you want. Know your representatives. Call them. Literally just be like, hey, I would like to what control my been, own body. What have like, you been doing cool. recently? Tell yeah. me. Literally, like, I would like really to know. Awesome. What have you been doing? Yeah. What they do doing? listen. And a lot of people think that it's not, it's not going to do anything when you call. And it may feel that way after mm-hmm. that call. But... It makes change. And then lastly, so know your rights, know your reps, and also know the people who are trying to take that away from you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will openly say I've been to the Pregnancy Resource Clinic, the fake women's health center here, and these women just, they seem like they're doctors. They're nice old ladies. They're not. They're lying to you. They're pro-life extremists. And did you find out that they were doctors? Like, did you Yeah, well, uh, when I left, I did. When you left, I was like, like, well, that's great. Smith was not Dr. Smith. No, exactly. I was like, so who just performed this exam? Because I don't know who you are, and you're definitely not a doctor. Um, but yeah, just get informed about these things because you have a right to your body. You have a right to these you have services a right to that are, yeah, a right to truth. And a right to know the people who are trying to take that away from you. And a right to choose. You do. And, <laughs> and another thing, just to say it, you have the right to choose to get an abortion. Yes, to keep you the baby, do. To give the baby up for a close yeah. adoption, to give the baby up for an open adoption, to give the baby mm-hmm. to a family member who wants it's it. It's your life. It is your life, and that is your option. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of people who say that pro-choice people are, like, pro-abortion. But it's just, like, mm-hmm. I guess in some ways that's true, but that's not... That's not, the gist, That's not the gist of it. That's not the gist of it. But I will say, exactly. pro, being pro-abortion is not anything to be ashamed of. No, it's not. Being pro-abortion, let's just say it, it does not mean we want to kill babies. Oh my god! It does not. And that it stigma has, is reason is one of the reasons that we're not winning elections mm-hmm. when pro-choice people also, are in office. Also, according to running. science... There's no, like, this, the killing babies thing is not a thing. It's yes. not. It's not. It a little more scientifically, the scientific consensus right now in the majority yeah. of the medical community is that you do not, they do not consider a fetus until a certain point, a certain number of weeks to be mm-hmm. life. And I think even mm-hmm. many pro-choice people looking at, yeah. you know, the, t- the type of viability um, limit they've been looking at would say, yes, that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see... Don't rain hell on me. I could see very, very late in a pregnancy having some sensible restrictions. Because at that point, if you gave birth right now, the baby would be fine. They would come out breathing. 
be a happy mm-hmm. baby, you'd go home in 12 hours. Mm-hmm. So you could make the compromise for some sensible restrictions in the last three weeks or four weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like but I mean, late-term like abortions are and, but very so rare. rare. And, and, and almost always the reason why they need to happen is because of the life of the mother. Exactly. Yeah, and people always fetus. forget. Like, they think late-term abortions are just women who freak out at the end. But no, no, no there's God. a serious, serious problem. It's a piss-or-get-off-the-pot situation. <laughs> and women do it quickly when they are given the option because yeah. it gets harder the later you do it. Exactly. You have to exactly. jump through more hoops and then physically it's just is more, it's and it's horrible. more emotional and you get even more shaming and judgment the later you do it. And mm-hmm. yes, Katie Rose is absolutely correct. I should have started with that. Yeah. Late term abortions, and by late term we mean the last trimester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are so rare. I can't remember. I want to yeah. say it's like 2% tops. Yeah. And, and, and those 2% are people women People don't get into the seventh month of their And then they decide, never mind. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm not no. really feeling this whole baby thing. That's not it's what happens. Something really something seriously wrong. And there are pro-life putting people, the woman at risk. Pro-life people really do try to frame it that way, and mm-hmm. they are wrong. They they are wrong. It's, and I, it's and shameful. I that already they do know that. people who have been in a very tough situation like that, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that mm-hmm. as we all get older, we will know women who have had miscarriages, and we will know women yeah. who have maybe had very late miscarriages, or women who had to make the very difficult, mm-hmm. tragic, emotional mm-hmm. decision of. They're very they're late exactly. into a pregnancy and they find out that the baby will not make it to term or if the baby does, the baby's we'll life is very short exactly. and very painful. Exactly. And they have to decide like how can I spare my child as much pain as possible because I love my child. Yeah. And, and, exactly. and I hate that pro lifers, sorry caterers, I just hate that yeah. pro lifers will frame it in a baby killing sort of way. But that's that's not what this is. And I know mm-hmm. everybody in this room and every pro choice person would love for their no woman to ever, ever have to need an abortion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the only way we can do that is by Securing increasing access to birth control, by improving sexual education, mm-hmm. by making sure that exactly. people only get into serious relationships with people who treat them right and treat mm-hmm. them well. By making That's sure a that huge men part of it. Um, making sure, try and make men not rape, please. Yeah. That would be helpful. But just some important statistics. Um, and I, I want everyone that's listening to this kind of like hold this with them. One in three people with a uterus will receive an abortion in their lifetime. And the reason why I say it Yes, the reason why I say it that way is not all women get abortions. There are some trans people that do get abortions, and mm-hmm. so that's why I say people with a uterus. Um, and also, 7 in 10 people in the United States trust, trust women and believe in a woman's right to choose. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a large majority of people. Yes. You know, so when uh, reproductive rights are under attack, which they're going to be even more so over the next few years during this Trump presidency, go out there and protest. Mm -hmm. Go out there and get some new people elected because you're probably one of the 7 in 10 and you need to take action. The thing about the 7 in 10 is that it raises this question of, so you don't trust me to make the decision with my body and my pregnancy, but you trust me to raise a child into a full-grown person. So I'm just sorry, but the math of that just does not add up at all because I think I would trust myself and both of these two wonderful ladies sitting here to make their own decisions for their body instead of raising a child at the age of 19, 20, 21. I mean, it's just an absurd question that the pro-lifers put out there. And I think another important thing to note, we've touched on it, is, okay, yes, you we agree in this room that you have the choice, but sometimes you didn't. Yeah. And pro-lifers mm-hmm. don't acknowledge that. Uh-huh. If you, and this is a small number of people, but it's an extreme case, if you were raised in a very, very conservative, oftentimes Christian family, not trying to, yep. no, yeah. to poop on Christians, but it happens a lot, and then you get married when you're 16 years old, because yes. that happens. Yeah. That is legal in this country in many cases to get yes, married it is. underage with parental permission or if you're pregnant with a judge's consent. Mm-hmm. It depends on the state. But then, and you have, and you, and you don't go to college, you might not even finish high school. You are never told anything about your body before this wedding night with this man who's probably older than you, as mm-hmm. this happens. You have no idea what's about to happen, and you're very surprised and emotional and hurt by what happens because you weren't expecting it. And then you leave that marriage 15 years later when you work up the courage and you already have eight kids. Where was the choice in that? Like, I'm sorry, there but was, wasn't there. So yes. Or if you're somebody who, a more common example would be somebody who just went to a school, their parents were prudish, and then they went to a school that didn't give you good That is the biggest, and like, then that you is experience a sexual assault, or more you're, you're in your first anything. relationship and you and your boyfriend, he's really cute, and he's got Justin Bieber <laughs> hair, and he thinks you're just the best thing ever. And you just get pregnant. And, and then yeah. you get pregnant. You weren't you informed. Just don't know. Pro-lifers yeah. almost make the argument that everybody's informed and that you just need to close your legs and you won't get ready. No, that's not what no. happened. And it's and also just another reminder that 
minority women often do not have access to abortion because of the expenses that come with yes. it. And so, like, as much as everyone's like, yes, we all have the right to choose right now, mm-hmm. a lot of no. people aren't lucky enough to have the right to, ch- no. right to choose. And no. it's, it's just so upsetting. And where are the pro-lifers? You know, if you look at the statistics on maternal health, so this is like health, your health status when you're late in your pregnancy or around the mm-hmm. time you give birth. The United States is falling behind. We have more women dying in childbirth mm-hmm. than many then, other developed and, countries in the world. And the number is, I think, triple compared mm-hmm. to a white woman at, for an African-American it woman. Just, She's so much more likely to die in childbirth so much a more likely. cause in this country than in any other. Yes. Where are the pro-lifers making strides trying to fix that? This is why... The conservatives are trying to take away health care left and right. Yeah. And to... Betsy DeVos is trying to mm-hmm. remake the public school system into something terrible. Yeah, this is <laughs> not why, great, but like, she's making it worse. So where's the choice? Mm-hmm. And where are you trying to help people who do get pregnant? Because you're not. No, you're not. And this is why women's reproductive rights is a civil rights issue, is yes. an immigration issue. It covers mm-hmm. the entire it's scope. Reproductive yes, rights is life. literally everything. And it, it just blows my mind how pro-life people can be so sanctimonious about... Some, not all. Some of them no, are lovely. Some, sorry, some of them are sorry. lovely. Many of them are lovely. God A lot bless. aren't, but how those certain ones can be so sanctimonious about the unborn life and then so lacking in compassion for any living person, whether that be the woman in danger, a refugee, an immig- illegal immigrant. I mean, anyone. They just... These certain pro-lifers seem to value... The tissue inside of the woman that is growing instead of the actual living woman. Mm-hmm. And that's why so many um, re- reproductive rights groups, including NARAL, have instead of using the words pro life, started using the words anti abortion and calling anti choice. Because, sorry to interrupt, they advocate yeah. all responsibility and concern once the baby's born. Yeah. The majority, like, Paul yeah. Ryan doesn't really want to help you no. if you have a baby that you didn't yeah. like for. He's like, oh, it's your no. problem. Anti abortion, anti choice. I, th- I like, and, and for short, call them antis. Like anti we're, the, we're the pro version, they're the anti version. They're yeah, not another pro version. Yeah. So. I like that. I like anti choice. Yeah. It's a good word. It is a good word. Good job. All right. Unless you ladies have anything else, so hopefully we'll have interviews in the future. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll be back again. Oh, yeah. There's um, a Planned Parenthood chapter at Penn State, yeah. Penn yeah. State College area. I would love to talk to them about this. Mm-hmm. And any other group that I might not know about in the area who um, focuses on similar issues. True. That would yeah. definitely yeah. be something to talk to maybe in October of this year, a few weeks before the midterms. Um, so thank you so much for listening. This has been O'Neill Kennedy, Kelsey Denny, and Katie Rose Epstein of the Penn State College Democrats. And this has been Penn State College Democast. It's too long a name, but it's too late now. Um, PSCP? 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 Democast. But I worry, that somebody, I worry that somebody else has Democast, so I don't always want to say it. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for coming and for making thank the time you. to talk to me about this. And thank you for everybody who's listening. Make sure to rate and subscribe. Have a good weekend. Or actually, you're probably going to hear this next week. Have a good rest of your week. (laughs) (laughs)